Byram, Mississippi. It's Lakeshore Church. And now we join Pastor Jay Frazier for today's message. We're going to deal with the, the character of Nicodemus today. And uh, so if you have a copy of God's Word and, uh, and you're able, would you stand with us in honor of that Word? Um, I do not apologize for having you stand because of the Word. I don't apologize because of the Word, but I will apologize that I'm going to read 21 verses, okay? And uh, the, the reason I want to capture the whole story with Nicodemus, I just want you to see a part of it and wonder what the rest is, but uh, really to catch that. So uh, we'll begin verse number one of John chapter three. It says this, there was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can anyone be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sounds, its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can these things be? asked Nicodemus. Are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? Jesus replied. Truly I tell you, we speak what we know and we testify what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son that, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that, that, so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. Let's pray together. We thank you, Lord. I'll simply ask for my words to be yours and my thoughts to be yours. And every one of us, Lord, today would have an encounter to the, to the degree, Lord, that everything would be okay between us and thee. I thank you and I praise you for what you're going to do, Lord, for we ask it and pray it in Jesus' name, believing. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Nicodemus could possibly be the greatest encounter that Jesus had with a man. It's a pretty bold statement. How in the world can somebody say this with all that Jesus did? And doesn't that seem like you're sort of prejudiced in that regard? But I hope in a few minutes you might say with affirmation, I believe you're right. This encounter that he had with Nicodemus set for us and the rest of us, what is at stake and how and why we come to God? Hmm. It really answers why Jesus came and Nicodemus heard it for the very first time. Today, we will establish just simple theology and life that you and I are supposed to live out in our lives. A little bit lighter before we get into it. Uh, do y'all remember uh, when Jeff Foxworthy, he anchored, he emceed, the, you might be 
smarter than a fifth grader. Y'all remember that show? And remember how most of the time when you watched it, you realized you didn't have the intelligence of a fifth grader? That fifth graders knew this in school or were supposed to know it. And most of the time, I didn't like the show because I didn't know half of what they were talking about. You also remember that for a while, he also emceed a Bible. It was like a Bible trivia type deal. And one of those shows, uh, he, he had like a little monologue before he would start these shows. And he, he said this, he said, if you think Nicodemus is a patch to quit smoking, you might need to stop sleeping through the sermon. Now, at the nine o'clock service today, about a minute later, I was into a serious point and somebody started laughing. And I, and I think they just figured out the whole Nicodemus thing, okay? So it's okay if you laugh in a minute. I just hope it's not a serious point when you do. All right. But thinking about Nicodemus, it's fitting for us as we, as we embark on these encounters through the summer that we capture this first one, this one with Nicodemus and the Lord. Um, I, I've said this many times that uh, I, I, I'm looking forward to heaven for many different reasons. Um, I've got a couple of mentors that I'm looking forward to see my pastor that was my pastor for most of my life. And passed a few years ago. I look forward to seeing him and Roman Miller, another one of my mentors and looking forward to seeing him again. And there's others 10 years here at the church. There've been several folks that we've said a tearful goodbye to and, and, uh, people in the ministry and people that have poured into my life and vice versa. And I can't wait. And there's a brother that I haven't seen for over 40 years that passed away when he was a teenager and I was a preteen. And so on and on we could go, I've lost a parent that I would love to see again. And, and many more we could talk about. But I've also, from, for, through the years, I've thought about Bible characters I'd love to see. And uh, right at the top of my list of Bible characters is Nicodemus. And I'll tell you why briefly, and then I'm going to spend a good bit of non-brief time <laughs> explaining it to you, is that there's three times that Nicodemus is seen in the Scripture. And for me, years ago, it answered what the Christian life is supposed to be about. I won't spend a lot of time here, but just to tell you that Nicodemus sought the Lord out. You'll never have anything from the Lord if you don't seek him out. Did you know that? He can knock on the door, but if you do not open the door, he can't come in, <laughs> you know? He stands at the door and knocks, but we seek him out. Again and again, we see Bible character after Bible character have this encounter. It started because they sought the Lord out. Something about him was different, and we see that with Nicodemus. So he came to the Lord at night, and that's where we get the sermon title, Nick at night and then the day. But then later on, that's John chapter 3, we read it to you. Then John chapter 7, Nicodemus is seen standing in the midst of his peers saying something really different to them, and he sort of stuck out. You could tell there was a change in his life after this encounter with Jesus. And then the, the, last, the third and the last time we see, script, we see Nicodemus in the Scripture is when Jesus dies on the cross, Nicodemus shows up. When no one else was around except for John, his friend John, all the other disciples were gone, fearing their own life, Nicodemus shows up. And, and for me, there was a time in my life I was really trying to understand what the Christian life is about, there are times that I take stands and say things from the pulpit that you really don't hear much from the pulpit anymore. That there's not a lot that we talk about about people's lives and living out this life and the spirit-filled life and, and this life of sanctification and holiness and stuff. Listen, most people just want to make it to heaven. They want enough of Jesus so they can go to heaven, but God wants to do more in our life before we get there. Amen? And, and I see that with Nicodemus. I see before he got to heaven, before his life ended, there was some stands and some places he was put in to show Christ and show his relationship and encounter to other people. And, and so it speaks volumes. So when I, I think along those lines with this, this sermon title, Nick at Night and then Day, I, I want to give you four things and then close with a fifth one. But I, I want to warn you. 
I'm really good at this, folks. I, I, I have a PhD in this, these kind of sermons because they're grammatically not correct, okay? I, I just have, I'm well-educated in not doing things well. Uh, and I want you to know there's a couple of words that I take liberty and put in a sermon. Please don't text me. Please don't email me. I, I already know I'm dumb, okay? You don't have to tell me that. I already know it. And, and, but I want to play on words today and tell you some things that I see with Nicodemus and his encounter with the Lord that I think it will help us. I think it will speak volumes to us, okay? The first one is this, and I've just simply entitled it The Head. Uh, Nicodemus was as well-educated religious-wise as anybody in the land, okay? He was a Pharisee. They had education upon education. They were not just the bad guys that were out to get everybody because they didn't live up to things. They were so they were so in, in, in they were so depth, in depth in, in the law that their whole life was was that way. Hmm. Uh, but yet it's amazing to me in all that they knew, somehow or another, Nicodemus came to realize that there's something to this guy that I've heard about. I don't know if he was standing in the crowd and saw a miracle. I don't know if it was just all the conversations that the Pharisees had about him and they wanted to arrest him. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to do away with him. He was not the Messiah. There's no way where he came from that doesn't fit the prophecy. They knew the prophecies of the, of the law and, and the word, but they, they didn't adhere to it. But there was something. I, I put it down this way so we all get it. The melon on the top of his shoulder said there's something more to this guy. And, and I've got I, I, I to figure it out. I said, in this day and age, we got so much of that going on, don't we? Everybody telling us the way that it is and, and all the stuff. And somewhere we just need to look around and realize that God's still God. Amen? Um, I, I tell people every now and then what's good for me is to get on a, a plane and, and a commercial plane and go up about 30,000 feet. And I, I, if the clouds are breaking and if it's a clear day, you can look down and see how massive this globe is and how massive this earth is. And I think some of the craziest things I think today is when man thinks we're in control. We think by turning on our car or off our car or doing this a little better, and I do believe we should be good stewards of what God's given us, but I want to remind you today that we are not God. We've never been God, and we'll never be God. Amen? And we need to hear that. The head says there's more to this. And I hope you realize this. Don't, don't paint yourself in a corner, and don't dumb it down, and just don't take what everybody else says. Think. And what I see with, with Nicodemus is he had all of it put together intellectually and in his education, but there was still something in his head that said there's something unique about this guy. And I've got to go and encounter him for myself. The Scottish theologian T.F. Torrance said, and I love it, he, this is what he deduced theology down to. Theology is worshiping God with the mind. Somewhere in our head we realize, wait a second, mm -hmm. there is something to this. That God is God, and God created things. He's creator God, and one day you and I are going to stand in front of him. I think that was going on with Nicodemus that led him to go at night, all right, and seek out the Lord. So we got the, the, the head. Now, now, the first grammatical thing that you might struggle with is the next point. I've called it the herd. <laughs> Not herd like herd of cats or herd of cattle, but herd like herd with your ears. And, and I don't know, it's not right, and I used it, you know, as a noun, but it's okay. Here's what I want to tell you. And I've, I've thought this for years. Nicodemus heard John 3.16 for the very first time. This Bible character of Nicodemus that I don't want to see, I, I want to ask him one day in heaven, what was it like? I, I mean, what, what was it like to hear those words that came from Christ? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What that must have been to hear that from Jesus' words, Jesus' mouth. And Nicodemus is the one, that's where I came up with the herd. Oh, listen, 
I really believe what's happened, you'll see it in just the next five or ten minutes, is Nicodemus never got over that. It, it so changed his life, what, what he heard. And so we have the head, we have that with Nicodemus, that there's got to be more to it. There's got to be something to this guy. The next thing is, is that he heard it. He heard John three sixteen for the very first time. And, and then we know naturally that came out of that was a heart change. And what I've entitled the heart. Hmm. I believe with everything about me, in a place with Christ is better than being in a place without Christ. Um, if, you, if you've ever seen somebody dreadfully lost and they knew they were and they admitted it, but they're not ready to give over to Christ, that is one empty life. But to know Christ and, and to know that I'm assured for heaven is if I was already there, not because of who I am, or, but because of who he is and I've trusted him. I've gone beyond a head knowledge and just hearing it, now I've experienced it in my heart. Paul wrote it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you'll know the verse. It says, therefore, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, all things become new. I've thought through this in our society and our culture, and I believe I'm accurate. Did you know the only place that we use the word pass away is in a death situation? <laughs> you know, uh, this past week, Bo conducted a family, officiated a family funeral. Uh, I had one in the community, somebody that just came to church a couple of times that I knew from a, a fellow church member and got to know him and, and pastored him and ministered to him. And, and th those settings, we say so-and-so. When I got to notice, the family called me and s called him by name and said he's passed away. I, I think, and, and you might know of another because you're more educated and intellectual than I am, I, I, I don't have a problem telling somebody I don't know because <laughs> that's the truth. But I think in our society, in our culture, the only place that we use the word pass away is when somebody was alive and dies. It passed away. Now, they might, we might use it in something that's intangible like whatever, but it might not just be life. But we say that, something passed away. And, you know, it's unique that I think this is where it comes from as far as what I see. That, that Paul said, this is what God does for you. You come to him and we're one way, and we meet Christ, and we become a new creature, a new creation. Watch this now. And the old life is passed away, and behold, all things become new. Now, listen, there's a lot of people in their relationship with the Lord. This is what they struggle with. I remember hearing it like this, that we go back and fish in the pond that God redeemed us from. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And we never change. And sometimes I know this doesn't make me popular. Sometimes this is too hard for people. We just, as I said earlier, we just want enough of God, enough of an encounter to, that I make it to heaven. But I'll tell you, folks, in holiness and sanctification and those types of things that we, we use and we believe in and adhere to, God wants more for us in this life before we get there. And I see that with Nicodemus. He had a heart change. Something happened. You know, I love it because we only have three encounters. We only have three times that he's highlighted. But there's a lot of things that we can think about that went on in Nicodemus' life between those three. You know, he came to the Lord at night, and you're going to see in just a moment in the next point is that he stood in the midst of his peers, and then we see him really standing the last time we have him. So there's a lot that was going on in Nicodemus' life in between these events that, that's not seen, but we know it to be true. Oh, his heart. Many times, you know, it is. We change. We come one way, and then we're different. That's the reason we tell people that you need to be in God's Word, because it changes you. This is the reason we tell people that you need to, to have a devotional life. You need, to, you need to have a prayer life. You need to be in worship. You need to be in small groups. You need to be in salt light group. You need to have an accountability partner in your life because those things change us. We're different. And so we can't go the same places, do the same things. We must be different. It's so true. So I think the heart. Then third, I, I, I identified this as the herald. Others heard what was going on in Nicodemus' heart and his life. John chapter 7 
You must make that reference. It'd be a great read this week. Go and read the story. It says there that the Pharisees have sent out the, the, the temple police, if you will. You didn't know you could have police at the church, I guess, but they sent out the temple police that were going to arrest Jesus for what he was doing. He was a mockery to the law, they thought. He was a, a, an insurrectionist, so they were going to go out and arrest him. And the ones they send out to arrest him, they see him doing miracles and his teaching, and they come back and they said, well, where is he? I love it, John 7. Where, where is he? Where's the teacher? Why didn't y'all bring him? And they said, listen, a man never spoke the way this guy does. We've never seen anybody do what he's doing. And so they didn't arrest him. They didn't bring him. And right in the middle of that, when they're going back and forth, Nicodemus, a Pharisee, amongst his peers, he speaks up. And he says, doesn't the law say that we cannot condemn anyone unless you hear from him? And we've not heard from Jesus at all. And in that moment, like a pack of dogs, all of his buddies, all of his Pharisee buddies turned on him. Go and read it in John chapter 7. So what that says to me, what you don't see and what we can't read, and we don't see what happened so much that John says this at the end of his gospel, that if everything Jesus said and everything that he did was recorded, the books wouldn't be able to hold it. So we know there's a lot of stuff that went on, and I believe with everything about me, there was a lot going on in Nicodemus' life to the point that he was ready four chapters later, John chapter 7, to stand on Christ's behalf. And, buddy, they turned on him. They really really did. And what I've come to tell you today is there's a time in our relationship with the Lord, whether it's the water cooler of life at work, what we've been told by society, listen to me very carefully. Today, we've been called regressive instead of progressive. If you believe in the principles and precepts of God's word, and you believe in Jesus Christ, people today will label you as something that's amazing in our world today. No longer is a child of God heralded the way we used to be. Today, we're almost looked like as an outcast, even in our society, even in America. And I know that's tough. I know this is Facebook, and it's going out on TV next week. But you need, me, you need to hear this. It doesn't matter what goes on around us. It matters what goes on within us, and God's called us to stand. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And just as he was a herald and he was heard by others what was going on, God calls you and me to be the same. And many times we think, oh, it'll cost me too much. And you'll see in just a moment, it, I believe with everything about me, it cost Nicodemus greatly. But as I said earlier, I would rather be somewhere with Christ than to be somewhere and not be counted for Christ. God's called us. God's called us to be that voice. He's called us to be heard. And we see that happen in John chapter 7. He was standing and he was speaking on behalf of the Lord. Listen to these scriptures today. John chapter 3 verse 19 says, This is the judgment. The light has come into the world and the people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Romans eight sixteen says, The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. I love this verse. I uh, always help people just understand the spirit here is capital S, so we know that to be the Holy Spirit. Himself testifies together with our spirit that we're God's children. Love this verse. You remember, you remember that we're a new creation? You remember that? Is that we, we, were, we, we came as we are and God made us a new creation and the old has passed away and behold, all become new. We went from being a foreigner and a stranger to being a child of God, a fellow citizen with the saints of God, a child of God, an heir of God, and joint heir with Christ, what Paul said. The same, the same privilege, if you will, the same inheritance that Jesus has is passed down to you and me because we're part of the family of God. You know, our family right now, we, uh, I, I just have a couple of girls at home. I, I see Zane very seldom. We talk. I love modern technology. We talk on the phone just about every day, if not every other day. And I hadn't talked to him today, but I talked to him yesterday. But uh, Zane left us a few years ago. He just abandoned his family, moved to a whole other state. He did. But it's amazing. You know, you know when Zane comes home, I mean, my, my new nickname for him, he's Precious. When precious is coming. Now, see, we're going to eat lunch today. Suzanne's going to fix or We're going to go out to eat. We'll do something today. Suzanne will provide. Don't look like I'm starving. But when, when precious is coming, 
Last time Zane came, Suzanne went to Kroger not once but twice in one day. You hear me? And, and he gets a menu. What, Zane, write out what you want. What can I do for you? Because Precious is coming. And Zane right now could show up. He could just decide that he wanted to come home and see us and got in his car this morning. And right now he has the privilege just to be at the house all up in the refrigerator eating whatever he wants to. You know why? Because he's precious. Listen to me. Did you know you're precious today? Let me tell you how precious you are. Before you even understood that there was a God and that there was sin and that you needed a redeemer, Jesus took your place on the cross, and God gave his son. That's how precious you are in God's sight. And God sets the table for you, and your favorite meal he's prepared so that you can come to God's table because you're part of the family of God. You're not a foreigner and stranger. No, no, no. No, no, no. The door swings wide open for you. Come on in the house. Lay in the bed. Sit at the table. Go in the kitchen. Get in the refrigerator because God is your father and he loves you. Isn't that good stuff? Mm. Don't we need to be reminded of that sometimes in the mully grubs and those kind of things in the world that we live in? I am not of this world. I am just a passing through. But the world I'm going to, I have a reservation already made for me because I took God at his offer. Jay, what did you do worthy of it? Nothing. All I did was take God at his offer. Oh, listen, the Spirit himself, capital S, testifies to my spirit that I'm a child of God. Come on in and dig in the fridge. That's what I'm talking about. I hope you understand that a little more. You didn't know all that was in that verse, did you? Precious is in that verse somewhere. John chapter 15, verse 16 says, you did not choose me. How about that? But I chose you and appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. So many people think today, well, I can just ask God, he'll give it because he'll give me the desires of my heart. Let me tell you something. We take stuff out of context a lot of times. Let me tell you when he gives you the desires of your heart. Look, when you realize he chose you a long time before you chose him and he wants you to go forth and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain. Then we need to understand when you start asking God, you're going to be lined up with what God wants you to have anyway. You don't want God to mess up your fruit trees. You don't want God to mess up your witness. It's like I said, y'all heard this before. I remember I, I wanted a 280Z. You know, it wasn't, even, it wasn't even a Nissan. It was a Datsun. Some of y'all didn't know before Nissan. Some of you guys have no idea what I'm talking about, but it's, it's on Google. You can find it. Before it was Nissan, it was, they were called Datsuns. Don't know why. When I think of a Datsun, I think of a dog that God forgot to give them legs. But I, that's a whole other story. But here's the thing. I wanted a 280Z. I thought, it's God's will for me to have a 280Z. Listen, it'd be like me with three small kids, three, three um, booster seats and, and, and car seats in the back seat with a two-door car. God would not give me a 280Z, and I'm going to end up having back surgery because of it. If you've ever put kids in a two-door car, you know what I'm talking about. But there's a lot of people who say, wait a second, I'm God, he'll give me whatever I want, not if it's not good for you. Not if it doesn't line up with his will. Not if it's not going to bring glory and honor to him. We need to wake up. <laughs> you know, I got all that out of that verse too. Long before I chose him, he chose me. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways know him and he will make your path straight. Wow. And then one more, very familiar, but I want to close in, in Scripture with this. John three sixteen, 16, uh, King James, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Y'all remember the little ditty? Many of you have been around church your whole life. You remember the little song we used to sing, Whosoever, Surely, you remember the rest of it? Meaneth me. 
Whosoever surely meaneth me. I, I, I want you to be reminded today that whosoever is you. Hmm? Whosoever is you. If, if you would believe, if you don't know him today, all you got to do is believe. All you got to do is, is realize he's who he said he was. He wants to be the Savior and change your life. And he'll do it. Listen, I want to close this away. The, reli- the, the Pharisees were the religious leaders of that day. Listen, they observed the laws I've already alluded to. They were rigid and frigid about the law, about the Sabbath, about other things. I mean, they were some kind of to, to, almost to a fault because a lot of the ways they came across is they were very condescending on other people. There wasn't much grace with the Pharisees because they were so rigid about the law. And then Jesus comes along, and, and they said there's no way he could be the Messiah. There's no way he could be the Redeemer that was talked about because this, that, and the other. And they had several reasons that they cited. And, and you can study all that for yourself. And the last point I want to share with you is I believe with every one of us, before we get to heaven, there's a time that I've entitled the last point, the thing we want to close with today, is I believe there, in our life there's times of heaviness that come, what I've called the heavy. And there's one more time I want to highlight with Nicodemus that I think it really captures for me what God's called you and me to today in holiness and sanctification, all the things that we talk about. God's called us to the heavy. He's called us to be different. He's called us from time to time in our life to come out from among them and be separate and be counted for Christ. And the last time when Nicodemus is seen, it's in John chapter 19. We see that. And I want to read these verses to you just so that you know that it's there. But John chapter 19, look at these verses, 38 through 42. It says this, after this, Joseph of Arimathea, who was the disciple of Jesus, after this means Jesus had just died, but secretly because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might remove Jesus' body. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took his body away. Nicodemus, who had previously come to him at night, also came, bringing a mixture of about 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes. They took Jesus' body, they took Jesus' body and wrapped it in the linen clothes and the fragrant spices, according to the burial custom of the Jews. There was a garden in the place where he was crucified. A new tomb was in the garden. No one had yet been placed in it. They placed Jesus there because of the Jewish day of preparation and since the tomb was nearby. They, not just Joseph of Arimathea, but Nicodemus as well. Watch this now. Do you remember who was at the cross? Sometime go study and find out the crowd that was at the cross. You know who, who the crowd was? A lot of the crowd? The crowd were the Pharisees. This insurrectionist, this person that doesn't line up with us, he's an imposter, he's not the Messiah. They wanted him killed. They were celebrating. Look, we, we've done it. When, when Pilate wanted to turn him loose, said, I find no fault in the man, they were the ones that were pushing Pilate, pushing Pilate. We want to crucify him. And so he's given up the ghost. He's dead. They're celebrating and and, and, and their, their clan's over there, and all of a sudden, out of their clan, I don't know if he came up from the side, but all of a sudden, a Pharisee shows up. Not just Joseph of Arimathea, who was a believer in Jesus, but now Nicodemus, the one that came at night, is now standing in the day. He's stepping out from his peers, not just in John 7, but now he's at the cross. Where's Peter? He's hiding. Where are the rest of them? They're hiding, except for John. Where's the rest of the disciples? They're all hiding in fear of their life, but here's Nicodemus who's coming out of his peers to be counted for Christ. I do believe in our life what's missing today is many people think they can have enough of God to go to heaven, and you can because you're not going to heaven because of what you did. You're going to heaven because of what he did. 
but I do believe with everything about me that God wants to go from a head to a heart. And there's from time to time, there are heavy times that come along in our life where God wants us to stand. And in this day and age, the child of God is told to sit down and be quiet. And God's called us to stand. And I want to encourage you today, have an encounter with him to the point and to the place that you'll stand. Even if it costs you in this life, I believe it costs Nicodemus. Thank you for listening to this broadcast from Lakeshore Church in Byram, Mississippi with Pastor Jay Frazier. We invite you to visit lakeshorecmc.org to find out more online. That's lakeshorecmc.org. Thank you for joining us.